Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Kathy from the podcast Friends in Your Ears talks to me today about why she got into podcasting. We talk about pros and cons of podcasting, and we even get into a fun diversion about small fuzzy animals. So tell me more about how you got interested in podcasting. Yeah. So I listened to podcasts. I started forever ago, um, back when you had to like load them into iTunes and download Mm -hmm. them onto your music device. Um, because I wanted to learn things, but I did not want to pay for audiobooks. I was a, um, college student and Mm -hmm. did not have a lot of discretionary income and so it, I, I started with free audiobooks, and then I realized, um, okay, maybe I can find something else, and that's how I found podcasts. I started. I actually started the Open Yale courses where they talked yep. about the Revolutionary War. Um, okay. And so I was like, oh, this is so interesting, and then I started wanting to build a business and I was like well I can Mm -hmm. learn some business things um and so I found like back to work with Dan Benjamin and Merlin Mann was one of the first ones that I really vibed on the characters like not Mm -hmm. the characters but like the voices that I was hearing it's where I really connected with the humans involved Mm -hmm. um and then I really I followed along to stuff you should know and stuff mm-hmm. you missed in history class. <laughs> uh, and then I mi- uh, discovered the pen addict. Okay. And, and I learned all about fountain pens and regular pens. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, this is here. I'm here for this. Um, and then uh, my buddies, Brad Dowdy and Mike Hurley, Mike Hurley decided to start a, uh, a podcast network. Mm-hmm. And I discovered more amazing people. And then I found the Incomparable Network, which is where my show is on. And started growing more and more, not just the shows themselves, but the people behind it. And now right. I call I call some of these podcasters some of my best friends. And I'm just like so honored to 
be a part of them and like get to know people in this really intimate friends in your ears style mode with people that I actually get to talk to too. I don't just totally listen to them. I get to actually speak with them too, which is really cool. Yeah. There's, there's something interesting about hearing a disconnected conversation that can feel incredibly intimate, but there's a sense to me as a podcaster of verisimilitude. It's like real intimacy and it is to some extent, but there's this missing puzzle piece of the podcaster hearing your story. Yes. And that's part of where I feel discord comes in and building community is people can actually tell their stories and you're actually able to build a relationship in a way that you can't effectively if you're just having a one-sided conversation. Yeah, agreed. And that's actually what got me started using Twitter more um, Mm. was to be able to start these conversations And a lot of times it was just I'm tweeting out into, you know, the darkness and to the nothingness to the three people that follow me on Twitter. And, you know, maybe somebody will see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really has allowed that sort of connection to grow um, and become more of a two way as well as discord and slack and even Facebook a little bit, but an Instagram, mm-hmm. but, but having Twitter is what really started those conversations with me and really got me mm-hmm. to be able to n- know the people behind the podcast a little more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started reaching out on Twitter um, because my brother was thinking of doing a red dwarf podcast with me, which is a British comedy show. And we were going to do a comedy review show where we just reviewed each episode one by one, which is like the standard format. Truthfully, I actually don't like that format. My preference would be to review your favorite episodes and do them in like random order. Yes. Um, But my brother was, is a traditionalist and very much feels that we should start at the beginning where the, potentially least funny episodes are so we can get our our style and like (laughs) our format hammered out yeah um the the second podcast that i was lucky enough to be a part of as a voice was actually an orphan black podcast um but i had never seen the show so we couldn't do a pick and choose because clearly i hadn't seen the show before um but my co-host what had watched it many, many times and the final season had just come out and she was looking for somebody to talk about the, like have a conversation about this for. And I was like, well, you know, I hadn't seen the show yet, but you know, I'd be more than happy to watch it because it was one of those shows that was always on my list, Mm -hmm. but I felt like I needed to be able to pay attention to it. A lot of times, uh, television that I watch or movies is a secondary aspect of my day um, Mm -hmm. while I'm working, doing whatever. I like to have something running. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to give Orphan Black the full attention that I felt it needed based on, sorry, some jerk with a motorcycle. Um, (laughs) That's okay. I live near an airport, so I think my viewers have just kind of come to accept that there will occasionally be a mechanical interruption and that's just life that that works yeah this this uh morning the podcast i was recording um the audio influence was a cat who was very angry that i had closed the door oh my goodness and was just yelling and then like had his paw underneath and was like rattling the door it was great (laughs) it was it was so wonderful (laughs) i I have two cats 
in the room with me right now that I foster for Vokra. We're just trying to find them forever homes right now. Oh, hi, babies. I love you. I've never met you, but I love you. (laughs) They were semi-feral, and I've got one of them trained to the point where she'll put her paws on top of my body so long as there are treats there. That's magic. Thank you. Well Um, done. Also, it's the volunteers that came before me as well, because I'm not the only people that have worked on these these adorable kitties. Unfortunately, one of them has some pretty severe anxiety. So like while there are shy cats um, and that's kind of a universal thing most people have come to expect from cats and like new humans, they tend to be a little shy. This one has some pretty intense anxiety around Mm. like food scarcity and spooks really easily. And I'm like. I've got to the point where he's eating eating treats out of my hand, but if you so much as try and touch his fur anywhere, like any kind of pets, he's not aggressive, but he'll like explosively bolt away from you. Oh my gosh, that's so heartbreaking. We yeah. have um, one dog and two cats, and the dog that actually is very similar to what he is, uh, he mm-hmm. was discovered on the side of the road and taken to the shelter. Um, he had some beautiful pink nails and cheeks and like dyed pink eyebrows. He looked very fetching, but clearly had had some issues. And it's been, it's been about six years now and he still will not take treats from your hand. Wow. Unless they're his morning toothbrush treat. Adorable. Yeah. He's very sweet. Anyway, I've, Oh, I find a lot of adopted animals are. Yes. Um, but you're right. Anyways, we are kind of getting I know, off topic. That was but... the, that's not what this conversation is supposed to have. <laughs> well, so that's something interesting is. about my show is I I try not to be too constrained by format if the conversation organically goes in a, in a direction that the guests are fairly passionate about. Yeah. And, and clearly animals, I will talk hours about my pets. For sure. <laughs> my babies. I, I have a chinchilla. <gasps> Is it just the softest thing ever? Definitely. Do you like snuggle up and like rub your head on it like a cat? I feel like that's something that I would probably use. So I have, I have a beard. So when I, when I like nuzzle with my chinchilla, I think he thinks I'm just petting him or like combing him. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. He's such a sweetheart. He loves raisins. He springs around. And did you know chinchillas kind of do parkour when they get really excited? What? They will they will jump up to a, a vertical surface and sprung sideways off the surface. Wow. So they're actually really hard to track. And I think it's a prey behavior to avoid getting eaten. It makes sense because it's uh, so few prey animals can move that way. Yeah. And, and like, wow, that's so cool, though. Yeah, they get sprungy and they're just like, they get really excited. I have a little pen that I have um, put together out of like zip ties and like those square metal panels that are almost like waffles. Like they're like bars that are like perpendicular to each other. Yes. And then they're like painted and they get used like in retail all the time. Um, so I just um, actually, technically, I should give credit where credit's due. My former partner um, actually <laughs> built it, um, but he can run around. We have a little chinchilla run, and he oh can run around gosh. in that. Now. That's so great. I love I love small animals, but we've decided as a family that we are no longer a small animal 
pet place. Really? Uh, because we end up getting just too frustrated with the pen and the constant cleaning of the pen and, and that sort sure. of stuff. Kitty litter is a little sure. bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we, you know, we've done rats and mice and guinea pigs and eventually we're just like you know what this is just not for us it's a lot yeah. it's a lot yeah so with my chinchilla i use pine pellets so i don't have to change the cage quite as often nice and when i do change the cage i have like a pine pellet um litter box in his cage so i still have to nice. change the whole cage every yeah. once in a while but i can actually filter out the solid pine pellets from the dust and just throw nice. out like the litter which is like both very good on like cost effectiveness but also it's just less work yeah yeah we did um with the guinea pigs we did like flannel um Mm -hmm. bedding on the ground and so you could we just had like a bigger chunk that of material that we would take out the whole sheet type thing and and swap it in but messy everywhere the cats wanted to eat them (laughs) It, it was just like you know what we're gonna we're gonna stick with cats and larger, although the dog is smaller than the cats, but that's fine. You can get a ball that is big enough for a chinchilla, like a runaround oh. ball. It's enormous. Like it is only some pet stores have them. And if you put your chinchilla in a ball that's too small, they tend to just be like, Hey, I'm in a ball and they don't have space to run around in it. <laughs> um so then you promptly have to let them out of the ball because they're not really moving around. They're just right. like Parent, there, like, why uh, am I in a ball? Uh, ex- excuse me, excuse me. I I would like to get out, please. Yes, exa- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but if you get one big enough, that's like I can't remember whether it's eighteen inches or twenty four. Like it's it's a stupidly big plastic ball. Um, but then <laughs> like they a can soccer use ball. like bigger than a soccer ball, because like rats can use like a soccer ball. Um, actually, even rats tend to use a little bigger, but. Uh, it's always good to give your pet lots of space. But anyways, I got one of these ginormous size balls. It was like a, a special order at the pet store. Um, and then my chinchilla could actually stretch out his full gait so he could like hop a whole time and put his paws on the wall. Oh, so instead of like walking, it was almost like he was like jumping in the ball progressively. Um, and he would actually chase down our cat in that ball. Oh my! So like, so the cat just... would be like sunning itself, minding its own business, and the chinchilla would be like, "Hey, it's the friend who's always trying to reach into my cage and make friends with me." Hi, friend! Hi, friend! Hi, friend! And just roll over full speed, and the cat would see him coming, like just barely in time, and like be like, "Ah!" and just like panic and get the hell out of the way. And then the chinchilla bot, um, ball would come to like a full thud where the cat was, and the chinchilla would be like. Oh, I see. We're playing a game. I'm going to come to where you are now. Okay, tag, you're it. Oh, my goodness. That's adorable. Pretty amazing. The cat definitely was like, I don't like that chinchilla. I don't (laughs) want to be friends with that chinchilla. (laughs) Does the cat now, like, not go... Is the cat not interested in the chinchilla's cage? Interesting. Um, Good question. I think the cat became progressively less interested in the chinchilla's cage. (laughs) Um, But once it started getting attacked by it. (laughs) Well, we only sort of let that happen once or twice because we didn't actually think it was going to happen. And then the cat just kind of got smarter and was like, I'm just going to be up on a couch. Come at me, chinchilla. And the chinchilla was like, aw. So like the cat very quickly figured that out. That only really happened once or twice. Um, 
But actually, that cat's passed away now, which is sad. I'm sorry. I bet the chinchilla is still looking for them. Oh, that's sweet. Well, they're they're both rescues, too. Um, That one was also an anxious cat. My chinchilla's not anxious in the least, as you can tell. (laughs) Clearly. Totally fine. Yeah, let's do parkour. Let's run around in a ball and play tag. That's great. I love that. He flat out would like try to clean a tiger's face if he ran into one. <laughs> like has no sense of being a prey animal. Oh no, you have a thorn in your paw. Please let me help you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, the only time actually that my chinchilla did respond to a, oh, it was, what would you call that? A, a threatening potentially situation was when I had a corn snake. And the second that chinchilla saw that snake, he was barking. He would bark at the snake. He would bark at me. He was like, danger, 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 human. Um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah. When when the snake was playing on me, he was like, I don't know what's going on, but please don't get eaten. I need you for food. I'm going to protect you. Allow me to bark at it. I will bark at it so the other humans know that you are dead. (laughs) Rest in peace, human. Such a good helper. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So interestingly... It wasn't the smell of the snake. So I could put the snake underneath the chinchilla's cage and the chinchilla was fine. So long as the chinchilla couldn't see the snake, he was happy as a clam. Oh, that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that their eyesight was that good. Me neither. And uh, wow. Their hearing is actually, I mean, both pretty good and pretty crappy. It's um, their cochleas are model systems for human cochlea. Oh. Yeah. Did I say that right? Should I have said their cochlea are? Is that plural? I don't even know. Not important. I don't. I mean, I would. I would think. I think that. I, I think it's plural because there's two. So like. Oh yeah. So set, one would be like a cochleum. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, we. I make it up as I go along. Yeah. <laughs> what else is any language? Right. <laughs> exactly. Made up words. Yes. All words are made up. We yes. At one time, ourselves. they definitely were. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. yep. Um. So circling back to podcasts a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. That was also what we were talking about. Um, we were we were talking about Friends in Your Ears, which is your podcast. Yes. Um, and what sort of drove you to create Friends in Your Ears? Um, you talked a little bit about your favorite podcasts. Yes. And we talked about the challenges of making a podcast regularly, of monetizing and of building community. Ah, I want to say something about tell me about your podcast, but because I'm ever so prepared, I did not create any scripted questions for this session. You know what? No one has to know that. You can feel free to cut this part out and we can make up the questions as we go along. I like it. But I would love to tell you about my podcast. Sure. Um, Tell me something I don't know about your podcast. Oh, gosh. So it actually, the idea for my podcast. So so my podcast is called Friends in Your Ears. And I talk to two podcasters about their favorite podcasts on a podcast. Mm-hmm. And I also talk about the history and kind of information on how they became a podcaster. Because so often I learned that it would be a conversation that is sprinkled in a podcast, but no one really Mm -hmm. sits down and talks about it a lot. And I know Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's exciting to tell about, you know, how you started or how you got into it and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And the idea came at the very first, well, I guess 
first of two PodCon shows, mm-hmm. um, in-person podcasting events uh, in Seattle. Um, it was the introductory, like, welcome, here you are, come to see us type introductory bit. Um, and mm-hmm. one of the McElroy brothers got up and was saying, talking about how a friend of his said that they liked podcasts because it was like having friends in your ears. And I was like, okay. Um, and within the next 15 minutes, I had bought the domain name. I had bought the, or like saved the Twitter and I created an outline of the show. Um, and within the next few days, it was on um, a network and I had my first guests lined up and recorded and submitted. And in January, it will have, oh no. This, yeah, January, it will have been three years. Wow. And it just is kind of overwhelming that it's a great way for me to get to talk to some of my friends. Um, some of those first episodes were show uh, were episodes that I had my friends who were podcasters on. And so it was a great way to kind of expand and get used to hosting a show because I had mm-hmm. been on episodes and been on shows before, but mm-hmm. hadn't hosted one before. So it was a definite learning experience some Mm -hmm. of those are not great and yet there's a niceness in it um before i was you know more jaded in the world shall we say Um, right (laughs) but also you know i edited it myself and i learned how to edit and i uh, have learned different ways clearly not finding my own words necessarily but listening to what other people have to say um, and giving them a chance to come on to a show where they don't really have to prepare, you know, 16 pages of notes and be ready to really sell themselves or their business or their podcast or any of that. And just kind of relax and talk in a space that, has potential to be I like to say I'd like to think it's fun people off after the show say that they had a lot Mm -hmm. of fun so it it works out for me um I don't know that I have any other questions we're getting kind of (laughs) close close to the end of time is there anything else that you wanted to oh you know what I do have another question um you were talking about the incomparables network and I'm curious how um people who are thinking about starting their own podcast would get in touch or what a network has offered you and how you feel it would benefit them yeah so I'm I'm really lucky in that the network that I'm a part of is very much a, a community um they're all friends it's a pop culture kind of network um run by jason snell formerly of like Macworld, and very high in like tech podcasts mm-hmm. um and he wanted to create a space for people to talk about nerdy pop culture subjects um very mm-hmm. outside of what his day-to-day life was but he just wanted to talk about comics and movies and 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 tv shows and things and through all of like 
so he kind of invited his friends on and they invited other cool people and slowly it just kind of grew. There's several dozen of us on there and a wide range of shows, everything from like, uh, we have Agents of Smooch, which is um, romance, uh, books, movies, TV shows, all of that related shows, to um, Biff, which talks about superheroes. We've done Flashcasts. Um, this is where Orphan Black was. Um, mm-hmm. Or like the Game of Thrones, there would be an episode that same day talking about the, sh- the episode that had just aired. Wow, that is very fast editing. Um, yes, it was very quick. Um, they, like, when the new Star Wars movies would come out, there would usually be up to three or four episodes talking about the movie. So, like, mm-hmm. this community, it, we feed off of each other in a great way. Uh, the podcast I just recorded this morning was for um, the show called Recently Played, where we talk about video games, and we talked about Among Us. Um, we've done a couple live shows, live streams of playing Among Us with our friends. And, right. like, putting that on YouTube, and we have that community, and... It's just, it's something, it's very special. Um, and having the opportunity to have the platform and the community, as well as I don't have to worry about the hosting or the, like, I, I mean, I click the publish, but I don't have to worry about the feeds going to the right spots and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, but I would say that that's definitely not the situation that I learned from a lot of different networks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really looks at what your goals are for the podcast itself mm-hmm. and the, um, you, you really got to make a pros cons list, right. Of what you want to do. Yeah. And, t- and talk to other members on the network, not just to the people in charge, but talking to the other people that have shows on the network, because it could be mm-hmm. really great. But you have to make sure that you know what you're getting into, because a lot of times they'll be very restrictive on like what sort of things you can talk about or um, what happens if you decide you want to change networks or go off on your own. Do you have access to those past files, episodes, any of that? Um, And so just making sure that you have as much information as you can and then pay attention to what you're what you feel if you're feeling red flags if you feel like this might not be the best situation and you're like oh but maybe it if you're if you're feeling concerned maybe don't do it and try it on yourself try it on your own and then you could try pitching to a different network or or see if you even like the show that you do um anytime i talk to people because i prof Proselytizes that word. Um, awesome. <laughs> uh, and I, I talk to people and I love podcasts, but a lot of times people will be like, oh, well, how can I make money for a podcast? And I'm like, you, that's not, that's not why you should be doing the podcast. Definitely you need, not. You need, you need to do a podcast that you want to, that you would want to listen to. Uh, you can't pick a topic because you think it's going to, track high 
in the yep. numbers. You, you gotta you gotta pick a show that you want to get excited to talk about. Yep. Honestly, the shows that make money are just people who happen to find that overlap between yep. what they enjoy talking about and like what actually makes money. Yes. Yes. It's very Which true. Just very lucky. Yeah. And there and there's a lot of skill in, involved in that too, um, and timing and, and that sort of stuff. But yeah, it's a lot. It, it the expectations cannot be set to be the next Joe Rogan. You yeah, just, of course not. Yeah, <laughs> you just can't because there's only one Joe Rogan, and all of the the things in place that allowed them to create that show will never happen again. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And like, ultimately too, like there's a degree of celebrity that Joe Rogan already had. And like a lot of the highly successful podcasts are capitalizing on celebrity that already exists. Yes. Yes. And, and it's, it's important to not think of yourself as lesser because you are not Joe Rogan. Right. Or because you just don't have the celebrity. Yeah. Or because you don't have that celebrity because Mm -hmm. you, you, you create, you can build a different type of celebrity um, based on what you provide into the world. And that's yeah. really special. Yeah. That's the value that sort of you're contributing with your podcast. Yes. Great. And the voice that you put out in the world, even if all it is, is you and your friend talking about, I don't know, whatever happened, getting to have that hour or however long you record with your friend Mm-hmm. And you just happen to record it and edit it and publish it for other people to get to n- know your friendship. There's something mm-hmm. really special about that connection that you now have with that friend. Yeah, I agree. Well, it has been really good getting to know you better, Kathy. Ah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're most welcome. Thank you for being on the show. Yay. So how was it, Intimates? Did you love something you heard, or maybe you're upset by something I said? Leave your comments on facebook.com slash interactions, or you can go to patreon.com slash victorsalmon, where you can find our Discord server. All of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com, and I genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon. If you liked it, please consider helping us pay for show costs over at Patreon for as little as $1 per month. It's incredibly helpful. It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.